Hello, and welcome to the Faith Church Podcast channel. We exist to reach people and connect them to God and others. If you would like more information about Faith Church or would like to schedule a visit sometime, visit our website at www.igotofaith.com. We can only do what we do because of the generosity of our Faith Church family. If you would like to contribute to our ministry, you can do so by visiting our website at www.igotofaith.com and hit the giving tab. Or you can text the amount of your contribution to 84321. Both of these options will send you to a safe and secure server. Your giving is much appreciated. Now, get ready as our lead pastor, Steve Husky, continues with part two of our series, God at the Box Office. Right, good morning, Faith Church. Good to see everybody here today. Thanks so much for being here. My name is Steve Husky. I'm the lead pastor. And if this is your first time, again, we just want to welcome you and say that we're glad that you're here each and every week. You know, we try to do things big and have fun and love what we get to do, but ultimately it's all about Jesus, and it's all about you experiencing life change and God doing something radical in your heart. So again, if it's your first time, we're glad you're here. We want to say hey to all of our faith family. We want to welcome those who are watching online. Let's give them some love. Glad you guys are tuning in. Well, hey, listen, we are continuing our series that was started last week by Pastor Adam. Did a great job talking about God at the box office. Specifically this year, this is, this is a series we do every year. This year is our Disney edition because we know some people are crazy about Disney. In fact, some of you got tattoos, it's hidden, but we know it's there. But anyways, listen, the series and the reason we do this is because um, we just think it's something that's relevant to our culture and society. And this is what Jesus did. Jesus took things that was very relevant, very modern to culture, and he would take them and he would leverage those things to teach biblical truths. And so movies are a big deal in our culture. In fact, as a nation, as a society, we spend literally billions of dollars a year going to the movies, watching and immersing ourselves in these movies. And so what we want to do is we want to take some of these movies and we just want to kind of dig in, want to leverage them and look at some of the biblical or spiritual principles that we can learn from them. So if you're new to church, um, we hope you enjoy this. If you've been in church for a while, we hope you're not offended by this. We hope that you take it and you open up your heart and you let God teach you from his word. Again, just we're using movies just as a way, as a catalyst to teach these truths. So... Well, listen, coming up in just a couple of months, my wife and I and our family, it, we're going to be celebrating six years as the pastors here at Faith Church. It's hard to believe it's been six years already, but it seems like just yesterday that we were loading up our U-Haul to move from Ohio down here to Alabama. And the reason it was a big deal is because, you know, um, we had a house and, you know, when, as you live together and you do life, you accumulate stuff. We don't feel like we're pack rats at all. In fact, our basement was pretty clean. Our garage was pretty clean. But you'll be shocked how much stuff you accumulate when it's time to move. I mean, we, so we rented the largest U-Haul you could get, which was 26 and a half feet. And uh, we started loading this thing up, packing boxes from top to bottom. I mean, man, all the way back. And we started running out of room. And so we started giving stuff away, like, here, take this. You can, we gave away our lawn tractor. We gave away dining room suits. We gave away weight sets. I mean, just giving it away because we ran out of room. But we still found out that we had more stuff that we had to bring. So I had to go back to U-Haul and rent a trailer to hook onto the U-Haul. Now, just to get you up to speed, the largest thing I had ever driven to that point was a car. And so to get this huge, uh, huge truck hooked on with a trailer, it was like 40 foot long, I'm just telling you, it felt like the steering wheel was like this big. I thought, I'm going to kill somebody. I'm going to wreck this thing. I really, I was nervous the whole way down. Um, not really much experience backing things up with it. I'm telling you, it was, it was bad. 
And we get all the way here. It's about a 10-hour drive if you're in a car. I think it took us probably 12 to 14 hours in this huge vehicle. We're trying to go slow so we don't break anything. We're pulling over, taking trips. Like, I get all the way here. I've not killed anybody. I've not wrecked this thing. I'm not going to have to pay for it. We get to our house, and thankfully, church people showed up. We unloaded it. The last thing I had to do was just fill it up with gas and take it back. Like, I was at the finish line. I was right there. I, was just, I almost made it. And I didn't make it. Filled up with gas, and I, there was a car in front of me, so I had to back up from the pump. And like, all I had to do was put it in drive. I mean, I was right. I just take it there. That was it. And I put it in, I back up, and I'm beeping, and I look, and I don't see anything behind me. But what I missed was the truck was so tall, I smashed right into the overhang of the gas station right up the road here. And all I could hear was, actually, all I heard was a cash register, but that's what I heard. And I thought, oh, no. And immediately when I heard that noise and I knew there was an accident, I knew I caused damage, two words immediately popped into my mind. Does anybody want to know what those two words were? Punch it. Drive away. Leave. And I know some of you are spiritual. and oh, you, How could you ever think anything like that? How could you ever do such a thing? I'm just telling you, like immediately that's what I thought. I looked around to see, did anybody see me? Like, I'm new in town. Nobody knows who I am. I'm in a U-Haul truck, so it doesn't have my license plate on it. Like, I thought for half a second, I can get away with this. Nobody will know. Not, not, come on now. I just, there was that thing that I thought now, just so you know, I, I hesitated, and I took a breath, and I did walk in and confess, and it costs a thousand, like $3,000 to fix it. And the reason I was most ma- mostly mad is not because it costs us so much money. It's because we drove by later and like they fixed it with some super glue and pocketed that $3,000. <laughs> but so here's the thing is, even though there was a moment where I wanted to drive away, that pull that I felt, that pull to leave, that, that push to, to kind of bail out of that situation, that pull that I felt in that moment is something called temptation. Now, I'm just going to tell you that pull that I felt in that moment, while you might be disappointed in me as your pastor that I thought of actually driving away, I'm just going to tell you that's not the first time I've ever felt that pull in my life, and it's not the last time I'll ever feel, feel that pull in my life. In fact, the pull of temptation is something that all of us feel in our life. In fact, if you're taking notes, I would say this, there is an out of bounds we are all drawn to. Every one of us in this room We are drawn on a regular basis to live outside of the lines, to go out of bounds, to make decisions that are not good. And it's something, again, that the Bible even is very clear on. It says it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. What it means is that one of the things that is a common denominator in all of our lives, no matter whether you're white, black, rich, poor, young, old, educated, uneducated, blue collar, white collar, male, female, it doesn't matter. One of the things that every one of us in this room have in common is that we all face temptation. We all feel the pull to go out of bounds in our life. And I'm just going to tell you, there's nothing you can do to escape the pull. It's, it's, it's not something that passes with age. You know, you might think, well, I'm, I'm a teenager, I'm a young adult, or I'm a middle, you know, if I can just get to a certain age. It doesn't matter how old you are. If you're 15 or 55 or 105, You will always feel the pull to go out of bounds. You will always feel temptation. It doesn't matter about your education. You think, well, if I just get smart enough, if I get enough degrees on the wall, if I can learn enough, you can outlearn the pull of temptation. It doesn't matter how much money you have in the bank. If I just get a nice house, if I get a nice car, if I get set up, maybe then I can escape it. 
Again, it doesn't matter your walk of life, where you're born, where you're from. It just doesn't matter. As long as you're alive, you and I will continue to feel the pull to live out of bounds. We'll continue to feel the pull of temptation. And so today we're going to introduce this movie, Lion King. It's hard to believe Lion King this year is 23 years old. Isn't that crazy? It's the oldest Disney movie we're going to talk about in this series. But it's a great movie because there are so many clear themes throughout this movie that reflect kind of our spiritual journey in our life with Christ. And so right in the beginning, if you've not seen the movie or it's been a long time since you've seen it, you'll remember that Mufasa, say it again, Mufasa. Mufasa, he is the king of the jungle. He is the king in this movie. And in the movie early on, we, we see that his cub prince Simba is born. And immediately we see that Mufasa, the dad, takes his son Simba out into the pride land to show him that even though there's so much that he has to experience, there are some things that are out of bounds. There are some decisions that he should and should not make. There are some things that he should and should not do. So again, this quick clip of Mufasa telling Simba, man, that there is a section in the outside of the pride land and you can't go there. Don't go there. We find this idea of boundaries reflected early on in, in the Bible in what's known as the creation story. Now, if you are maybe new to the Bible and maybe you're like, I, is, did that really happen? Did God really create a man and a woman and stick them in the garden? I choose to believe that because Jesus taught that. But whether you do or don't, it doesn't change at least the truths that are taught. And we find right away that God, he sets up a perfect creation, puts a perfect man in the middle of a perfect garden, and he sets boundaries for him. In fact, here's what the Bible says in Genesis chapter 2. It says, the Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend and watch over. So again, a perfect paradise. And right away, he gives man responsibility. And he goes on, he says this, but the Lord God, come on, you got to shout these two words. The Lord God did what? He warned him. You may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, come on, say it, you are sure to die. So God steps on the scene and he gives them lots of freedom, lots of choices, lots of options. He says, but listen, except here, the word except in this, it just means no. Now, here's the challenge is a lot of times when we think about God and we think about what he's like, we just feel like, and maybe you've been taught to believe or you live in a world where somehow people just kind of force this opinion or we learn this opinion that God is just this moral dictator. And he's just there to tell you yes and to tell you no. And sometimes in his no, he's just trying to rob us of things. And what I want you to know about temptation right on the front end, because this thing that we're in, this, this faith journey, our spiritual walk, our faith it's really not about rules. It is about a relationship, which means this, that temptation, it's not about sin. It's about trust. It's not a sin issue. It's a faith issue. And when I say that, I mean this, that if you are in, not in a religion, but if you're in a relationship with Christ, when God tells us that there are things that are out of bounds, when God tells us there are places we shouldn't go, things we shouldn't do, decisions we shouldn't make, when God sets those boundaries, we have to decide, again, it's not a sin issue, it's a faith issue. Do you believe that God is good and wise? Like, that's what it comes down to, because if we believe that, that God is good, then we believe, man, that he's going to bless our life, that he's going to prosper our life. And when he tells us what's out of bounds, we just have to trust that he knows where we are is best, and to go over there to do that, to live that way, is something that's going to rob us from the best for our life. And you have to ask yourself a question. Now, I know we live in a world, if we're honest, a lot of times we feel like, at least I feel like, I can speak for myself, that I'm smarter than anybody else. 
Listen, if I just get moved, President Trump, let me show you how to run a country. Right? We think we know better than the president, better than Senate, better than Congress. We know better than our teachers. We know better than our educators. We know better than our doctors. Come on, doesn't matter what our doctors say, because I read online. I was on WebMD. And we just think we're smarter than the world. And I'm telling you, listen, what it comes down to, what the issue of temptation really comes down to is, do you believe that God is good and that he's wise, that he knows more than you know? Because if you really believe that God is good and that God is wise, that he knows what's good and what's not, even though you feel like you have an opinion, and that God is wise, even wiser than you are, then you have to trust and put yourself in a position that, God, I'm going to honor the boundaries that you set for my life. So then it's not a sin issue. It really is about obedience and about honor and about trust. See, when I say obedience, one of the things that we, one of the things that we say, and maybe just you say it, but really from our hearts is that Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior of our life. Anybody here, is that your declaration that he's our Lord and Savior? Which means if he's your Lord, then what we do is we say, God, I'm going to obey the boundaries that you set for my life. It's an honor issue. Like if there's one person that holds a position in my life and my heart that I should honor what he says, it's my heavenly father. And so while I don't always agree with my earthly father, because he's my father, I've tried to honor him. How much more because God is our heavenly father that we try to honor him with the decisions of our life. And again, it's a trust issue. At the end of the day, God, I want to do that. I want to make that decision. I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of that situation. I want to get into that relationship. God, I want to do this thing. At the end of the day, God, I trust you. You are good and you are wise. So I'm going to honor the boundaries that you set for my life. But here's the idea is you have to ask yourself, if we know that, we're all tempted, we all feel the pull again to go out of bounds. You ever ask yourself, why is temptation so strong? I mean, man, is, is anybody else with me that temptation is powerful? Because every one of us in this room, we face temptation. And if we're honest, a lot of us often have failed the test of temptation. We've given in, we've crossed the line, we've gone out of bounds. Why is temptation so powerful? Do you know why it's so powerful? Because the Bible tells us, like, it's not just about you and God and the boundaries and how you honor either the boundaries or God. There is a third party. There is another component in the situation. The Bible tells us this, that there is ultimately, not just out of bounds we're drawn by, there is a tempter that we're all drawn by. Jesus introduces us, the New Testament, the Bible introduces us to this character. And again, you may not think he's real, but Jesus taught very much that he's real, that there is this per person, Satan. The word Satan is a title. It means he's a slanderer. He tells you, listen, you don't trust God. You can't believe God. He slanders God's character. He's a deceiver. He's a tempter. He's the one. And those are words we may not use. So I would say it this way because we're in the Tennessee Valley. I had a question for a long time. I don't know if you guys have noticed. We have a lot of hotels in this area. And like I dig Florence, like I'm glad I live here, but there's not really that much to do. And for a long time, I wondered like, why are the hotels here always filled up? You guys ever wondered that? Like you drive down 72 and like all the hotels, I'm like, am I missing something? Is there like a party going on that I didn't get invited to? And I found out one day, we had to check someone into the hotel and I asked them, I was like, listen, every time we drive by, you guys are full, what's going on? And they said their number one clientele are fishermen. They come here for fishing tournaments. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I'm awful at fishing. Like, I think if you stick a soggy worm on a rusty hook and drop it in some water, you might catch something, which I've never really caught anything but my own lip, and that's another story. But there are some people that know how to fish, and I just want you guys to know this. Listen today, when we talk about that there is a tempter we're all drawn by, I want you to hear this. 
That there is a master fisherman and he is fishing for every single one of you. That, this, that Satan, he is, he is an awesome angler. He is fishing for every one of us and he knows the lures to use to catch you. He knows what you're drawn by. He knows what you're attracted to. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's incredibly, incredibly good at fishing for humans, for drawing us outside of the boundaries that God set for us. In fact, in this other clip, you're going to see that just like us, there's another character in the Simba story. There's not just Mufasa, his father, who set the boundaries, but there's Uncle Scar. And Uncle Scar is this great picture of this tempter we're talking about. He's not strong like Mufasa. Satan doesn't have the strength that God has, doesn't have the power that God has. But there's one thing that our tempter has that's very much shown in this clip that we're about to watch. And that is that Scar in this scene, just like Satan in our life, is incredibly shrewd at tempting us to cross the lines. So again, we get introduced to this character, Scar. and Again, he's a great picture of the tempter that you and I have in our lives that is trying to draw us out of bounds. And he's introduced right in the beginning of Scripture. In the same Genesis creation story, the Bible tells us this about this person, Satan, the slanderer, the tempter, the deceiver. The Bible says this, the serpent was, come on, everybody say this word, the shrewdest. Come on, say it again. What is he? He's the shrewdest. You know, you were taught in English that there is the shrewd, there's the more shrewd, and there's what? The shrewdest. There is no one more shrewd than who? The shrewdest. What you have to understand about our spiritual adversary, what you have to understand about his fishing for you is that he's really good at it. He knows exactly how to twist the facts, how to make something attractive to you, how to make something appealing to you, exactly like Scar, right? What does he do? He attacks his bravery. That's what a line is. Only brave lines go to the graveyard. What the enemy wants to do is he wants you to overestimate yourself or underestimate God. And so this is what the Bible says. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. And one day he asked the woman, did God really say? Notice the question. He doesn't come and just come right out. It's kind of back door. Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden, which isn't what God said. She recognizes. She says, of course we may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden. The woman replied, it's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat or even touch it. If you do, you will die. We're going to come back to this later, but I want you to notice she doesn't really understand what God said. God said just don't eat it. She kind of throws in touch it because we're really good at making the rules more complicated than they are. Now I want you to notice here what the serpent's response is. I want you all to read it. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. See, again, it's, it's not a sin issue. It's a faith issue. It's a trust issue. Either we trust what God said or we don't. And you have to decide in the temptation that you're going to face, in the pool that I go through on a regular basis, we have to decide, do I trust that God is good and he's wise? Do I trust what God said or do I trust what I feel? Do I trust what this world says? Do I trust God's boundaries? Do I trust this world's boundaries? You have to decide in the temptation you face who is right. Who's the standard? Who's the one you trust your life to? God knows that your eyes will be open, and as soon as you eat it, you'll be like God, knowing both good and evil. See, here's the reality, guys, again, that this thing we're talking about is relationship. It's not a rules. It's, it's not a Sunday morning sanctuary visit. It's, it's not this thing that we do where we put on a show, we dress up, and we come here, and we sing songs, and we hear a lesson, and we go home. 
This thing that we get to be a part of, it really is a relationship that we understand that our Creator made us, and He made us in His image, and He made us, He made you for a relationship with Him. And so why this is such a big deal is you have to understand that the devil, listen, he's not trying to make you immoral, he's trying to make you dishonorable. See, when you live your life in a way where you honor the boundaries God set, that's how we honor God. God, I want to live my life. I want the decisions I make. I want what's in my heart. I want the way I treat people. God, I want it to reflect that I love you and I worship you. And so when the enemy tempts us, he's not trying to make you a bad person. He's trying to break God's heart. See, ultimately, the devil's not trying to get to you. He's trying to get to God through you. Because when he wrecks your life as you give him the temptation, it dishonors God. The way we're called to live our life is contrary to living inside of the bounds that God has set for us. And so this is a big deal. It, it's a game changer. So it's not are you a bad person or are you a good person. It's not really are you doing the right thing or the wrong thing. Are you keeping the rules? It's how is the enemy leveraging his temptation to break the heart of the father? Because God loves you. I mean, this says, this speaks volumes about your, your value as a person. That when you live outside of the bounds, you understand that you break the Father's heart when you dishonor him by living outside of the boundaries. Of the and the enemy knows that, man. And because you were made in God's image, the, the devil, he hates God, and so he hates you. And so however he can wreck you, it's a win for him. But he goes on. In fact, the Bible goes on and tells us this, James he expands this idea about temptation. He says this. He says, remember, come on, say this, and remember when you're being tempted. Do not say God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. So the Bible doesn't say if you're tempted. What does it say? When. Which means you're not going to maybe be tempted this week or maybe sometime in the future or possibly down the road. What's it say? When. Which means you're probably going to be tempted today. If you're not tempted today, you're going to be tempted tomorrow. You're going to be tempted this week. Because it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And when the moment comes, this is what you got to get. When the moment of temptation comes, there's always something at risk. It's bigger than the moment. It's not about just the test score. It's not just about the business deal. It's not just about the relationship. When you give into temptation, there is always something that it's going to cost you. There's always something at risk. Ultimately, again, there's always something at risk when you give in the temptation. The challenge is it's not about the pool of temptation. It's about the cost of crossing the boundaries. Every time you violate, every time you cross the boundaries, every time you give in the temptation, it's always going to cost you something. It's always bigger than the moment. Some of you in this room, you know this is true because of decisions you've made. It's cost you relationship. It's cost you jobs. It's cost you honor. It's cost you friendships. Because every time we give into temptation, there's always something at risk. There's always something that's going to cost us. And this is exactly what Simba learns, right? So even though God sets the boundaries, Mufasa comes and tells Simba, hey, you can go anywhere. Just don't go there. Scar, the tempter, steps in and tries to pull him out and puts him out there and challenges him, tempts him to go. And we see that this is exactly what Simba does. He gives in to the temptation. It's bigger than the moment. It's about to cost him something. You know what's really good about <clears throat> this scene is how accurate it is. It, again, he gets tempted to go. Imagine this. The, this scar is able to make an elephant graveyard seem appealing. And he gives in and he goes. And so, I mean, again, like us, the enemy is really good at tempting us out of bounds. Even though we know it's wrong, we know it's, 
We know it's not right. We know it's not healthy. We know that relationship's out of bounds. We know handling business is not good that way, but we get tempted to do it because we think it's a win. Where this scene is really bad, now it's good for a movie, is Mufasa shows up and rescues Simba. I just want you to know something about temptation. You got to get this. Is because in here, when Simba gives into temptation, Mufasa shows up and you can see the disappointment that Mufasa has. And you can see the shame that Simba has because he disobeyed his dad. Later on, you watch the next scene and Mufasa forgives Simba. Simba tells him, Dad, I'm sorry. And here's the good news is, is when you give into temptation, God is always willing to restore you. But what's bad about this scene is it makes us think that God's just always going to show up and rescue. And I'm just telling you, that's not the case. When you choose to go out of bounds, you will suffer consequences. And while at times God is merciful, there are many more times in our lives that you will suffer consequences that God will not rescue you from when you choose to give in the temptation and live outside of the bounds. So God's always willing to restore you. He will not always rescue you. And so you go through, and so James keeps talking about the power of temptation. And notice what he says here. He says, temptation comes from where? Our own desires. See, God's put desires in each and every one of us. We have God-given desires. We have God-given desires for intimacy and relationship. We have God-given desires for success. We have God-given desires for self-worth and value. But what the enemy does, because this is who does it again, temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. See, what the enemy wants to do is he wants to take your God-given desires and you to fulfill them in a way that is not God-honoring. To take legitimate needs and fulfill them in an illegitimate way. So while God's created us for relationship and intimacy, what, you, what the enemy wants you to do is look and say, man, if I don't sleep with this person, they're going to break up with me and then I won't have anybody. I'll be alone because I don't want to be alone. I'm going to violate the boundaries. I'm going to go outside. See, sexuality is a beautiful thing created in the context of marriage between one man and one woman in the context of marriage for life. That's it. Anything outside of that is outside of the bounds. But why do so many people sleep around? Because we have a legitimate need for intimacy, for relationship, for success. I believe God wants you to be successful. And if you'll do things his way, I believe God will bless you in a big way. But if you got to cheat to get there, if you got to steal to get there, if you got to fudge bottom lines and lie and backbite to get there, I'm just telling you there's always going to be consequence. So the Bible says this, the temptation comes from our own desires which entice us and drag us away. James is a master writer. It doesn't come through in the English translation, but in the original Greek that the Bible, the New Testament was written, there's imagery being put here. When the Bible says, when James writes that these temptations, these desires, they entice us and drag us away. Drag us away is a hunter's term. It's a predator that comes and pounces on its prey and drags it away. That's what the enemy wants to do is he wants to pounce on you and drag you away. When he entices us, it's, it's a picture of a lure, like a shiny hook. See, the enemy is really good at setting the hook. He is an awesome angler. He is the master fisherman. And he'll use pride, and he'll use self, and he'll use lust, and he'll use envy, and he'll use all of these things to draw us out of bounds. And again, it always comes back to you. This place, do you trust God? Do you believe that he's good? And do you believe that he's wise? If he is, then God, I'm going to honor the boundaries. No matter how appealing it seems, no matter how attractive it feels, I'm going to live inside the boundaries because if I want God's best, I've got to do it God's way. 
So he goes on and says it this way. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Like it always ends bad. Come on, some of you in this room, you know people that got attracted to something. They got attracted to relationship, attracted to, and all of a sudden that thing overtook their life. Because it always ends bad when you choose to live outside of God's boundaries. It always ends bad. It might feel good for a while, but it always is going to end in death. See, because the thing about Satan is like, he's not a catch and release fisherman. Like he wants to mount you on his wall. This week today starts one of my favorite weeks of the year. It's that time, right? Discovery Channel, it's Shark Week, baby. Anybody down for some Shark Week? If you didn't know, uh, today, at some point today, uh, Michael Phelps, Olympic swimmer, is going to race a great white. Now, I don't know how they're going to do that, how they're going to keep who in whose lane. I'm not sure I want to watch it, but what I want to see happen is I want to see him, like, like, tie a chicken leg to his ankle and then see if he can outswim the shark. But this is what they do in shark wings. Some of you guys have seen it. What they do is they chum the water. They take the natural attraction of a shark and they, they lure them to the boat. That's exactly what the enemy's going to do this week is he's going to take your natural attraction, your God-given desire, and he's going to try to twist it and get you to fulfill it in a non-God-honoring way. Legitimate needs fulfilled in an illegitimate way. Here's what happens again in the show is they'll take the sharks and tag them and they always put them back. I'm just telling you, the enemy doesn't want you back in a relationship with God. He wants to hijack your relationship with God. He wants to hijack. Again, the Bible says the thief, this is what Jesus said. Jesus said, I've come to give you life. But the thief, he's come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He wants to steal your marriage. He wants to steal your joy. He wants to steal your life. He wants to steal your dreams. He wants to rob your destiny. He wants to destroy your purpose. That's all he wants because when he destroys you, man, he knows he's gotten to the heart of the Father. So this is what he's all about. So how do we overcome temptation? Real quick as we close, how do we overcome temptation? Fight or flight will keep you right. Everybody say that. Fight or flight will keep you right. When, not if, when you face temptation, because it's coming, you can fight it or you can run from it. Part of the way we fight, you say, well, how do we fight? James says this. James says, so humble yourselves before God. What does that mean? That means, God, I think I know better than you sometimes, and I think I can get away with that, and I think it's okay to live with that person even though I'm not married. God, I think it's okay to do the business deal that way even though it's probably not, but I think I can get away with it. And all the excuses we make, all the things we say to convince ourselves that it's okay to live out of bounds, at the end of the day, the way you fight temptation is you humble yourself. God, you know more than I know. I trust that you're good, and I trust that you're wise. So I choose to submit my life to your leadership. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he'll flee. How do we resist the devil? Remember what he did in the beginning with Eve? Is he tried to take what God said and twist it. You got to know the truth. You have to know who God is. You have to know who you are. You have to know why you're here. You know, there was an epic battle in Matthew chapter four. You can read it later on that Jesus is confronted by Satan himself face to face. It is the McConnor Gregor. It is the Floyd Mayweather. They're going toe to toe. And you know how Jesus how he fights against the deceiver, the slanderer, the liar, with truth. Every time the enemy tries to tempt him, tempt him, Jesus speaks the word. He knows who he is, he knows who his father is, and he knows why he's here. 
And so you need to fight with truth. This is why you need to read your Bible. This is why you need to come to church. You need to know what the boundaries are. You need to know what truth is. Listen, if you don't decide what truth is through Scripture, this world will tell you what its truth is. And you decide what you'll believe. Number two, you got to fight. There are some environments you should never put yourself in as a Christ follower. There are some environments you'll find yourself in that are okay for a while. And sometimes you got to say, listen, I need to get out of this. Social media is okay, but sometimes you got to get out of it. Hello. The internet's a great thing, but sometimes you got to get out of it. Relationships, there are some relationships you're in and they're okay for a while and they're toxic. You know what you got to do? You got to get out of it. Sometimes if you stay in certain places, certain relationships, certain situations, it's only a matter of time before you give in to the temptation. So you got to fight it with truth or you got to run. There's a story in the Old Testament of this guy named Joseph. And Joseph is serving in this military leader's house. And his wife, we got to know, man, she's a, she's a fine young thing. She's beautiful. There's no way someone as important as him would be married to someone ugly. It just didn't happen. So this beautiful bride to this man gets attracted to Joseph. She keeps flirting with him and trying to draw him in, and he just won't have it. Now, you have to believe he was attracted to her. He's a guy. You have to believe he was tempted to give in and sleep with her because he faced temptation just like I do, just like you do. Why didn't he do it? Because he said this. He said, how can I do this thing? How can I sleep with you and not, not dishonor you, not dishonor myself, not dishonor my boss? He said, how can I do this thing? How can I sleep with you and dishonor God? It's not a sin issue. It's a trust issue. But he stays in the environment too long. And eventually, one day, nobody else is in the house but him and her. And she wants him so bad, she reaches out and grabs him, and he does what I'm telling you to do. He can't, it, he can't fight it anymore, so he runs. He runs so fast out of the house, he runs out of his clothes, which that's fast, by the way. She's holding his clothes, so she is so upset that this happened, she accuses him of rape. He gets put in prison. You say, well, that didn't end up well. I'd rather be in prison in my relationship with God intact than to be free and have a broken relationship with my heavenly father. And so he runs. And this, this idea is found throughout Scripture. Here's just a couple examples. 1 Corinthians 6.18, run. Everybody say that word, run. Run from sexual sin. 1 Corinthians 10.14, so my dear friends, run from the worship of idols. 1 Timothy 6.11, but you, Timothy, are a man of God, so run from all these evil things. 2 Timothy 2.22, run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. What God's Word is saying is, Take yourself out of environments that you know if you stay in them too long will cause you to violate your relationship with God. And the last thing, because this is the best part, because here's what I found out. I'm not tempted any more or less now that I'm a Christ follower. I was tempted before I got saved. I'm tempted now. I was tempted before I'm a Christian. I'm tempted now. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Here's the difference. Is now I don't have to fight alone. As a Christ follower, we have the power of the Holy Spirit in our life to help us to avoid temptation and to overcome temptation. And so Jesus, he said it this way. He taught his disciples some things to pray for, some things to focus on, some things to ask God about. He taught them what's known as the Lord's Prayer. And really there's in there several things that God is telling us, listen, these are things you should focus on in your relationship with him. And here's what he says. He says, when you pray, pray this way. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And what's the next part? And lead us not into temptation. You know what he's saying? And God, I pray the Holy Spirit would help me 
to avoid paths, to avoid situations that would put my life at risk. Help me to follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit because I trust you that you are good and you're wise. So help me to follow you and avoid the trap of temptation. So if you'll ask God, if you'll ask him, he'll help you. Because this week, not if, when, you will be faced with temptation today, tomorrow, this week. And when that temptation comes, something is at risk that's greater than the moment. But God wants you to overcome. So Father, we come in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that every single one of us would know the truth, that God, temptation's real. There's always something at risk. But Father, we can overcome. And so Lord, I pray in Jesus' name, God, help us, Lord, to always trust, again, that God, you're good and you're wise and to honor the boundaries that you've set for our life. In Jesus' name, and everybody who agreed said amen.